Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and today's episode is about physical plant, kind of, because today's episode is about marketing and sales and retention and production. But what touches all of these things individually are systems. And the systems, they are a change in, you know, cue some Bob Dylan music, if we will. I don't I don't think we actually are allowed to play Bob Dylan music, but uh, that's what I'm thinking. And so the title of today's show is What Clients Want, Bringing AI to Your Business. And my guest is Tom Martin. He is the CEO and founder of Law Droid Limited and so much more. But before we get started, it's time to do a little business. And I want to say thank you to our sponsors that make everything we do here possible on the Unbillable Hour. Alert Communications, Scorpion and Law Clerk. Thank you to each of them for giving us the opportunity to spend this time together. Alert Communications. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7 by 365, just call 866-827-5568. And Scorpion is the leading provider of marketing solutions for the legal industry. With nearly 20 years of experience serving attorneys, Scorpion can help grow your practice. Learn more at scorpionlegal.com and Law Clerk, where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Visit lawclerk.legal to learn how to increase your productivity and your profits by working with talented freelance lawyers. And again, today's episode of The Unbillable Hour is What Clients Want, Bringing AI to Your Business. And I am absolutely pleased to introduce my guest, Tom Martin. As I mentioned before, uh, Tom is the CEO and founder of LawDrive, but he's also a legal bot advocate. He's a lawyer, an author, a speaker, and uh, also the co-founder of Vancouver Legal Hackers, an advisor to the ATJ Tech Fellow Program, which is going to be really relevant to our conversation today. Um, he's born in LA, lives in Vancouver with his wife and two daughters. And by the way, LawDroid is uh, an AI company dedicated to helping lawyers automate their law practice. So without further ado, Tom, welcome to the Abilable Hour. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. You are absolutely welcome. It's a thrill to have you because I think, you know, this is, it's so funny, like everything these days seems topical. Like I, I keep thinking of, I've, recorded the COVID show, but they keep the, the, the relevance keeps on being there in so many different aspects. But I think this one's particularly relevant. But before we get all into artificial intelligence and the law and access to justice and all the stuff you've done, let's let the audience know a little bit more about you. What First of all, I mentioned you're a lawyer, which is great. Um, I think it gives you some, some street cred with the listeners here. But what have you done as a lawyer? What were your roles um, in the legal gig? Yeah, so I've I've been a lawyer, a practicing lawyer for just over 20 years. Went to UCLA Law and since then have practiced in many different practice areas. So kind of a non-traditional path for for lawyers. I've worked in everything from class actions to toxic tort personal injury cases to employment to family law, probate, state planning, like a whole swath of different practice areas. Cool. So and you kind of like I'm a lawyer too, as the audience knows, but uh, we seem to both have uh, gotten bitten by a bug outside the practice of law, 
what particularly brought you to become involved more in legal technology and be interested in legal technology as part of your hustle? I think the origin of it is going back to my childhood. I mean, I grew up with computers, you know, an Apple II was a source of inspiration for me Mm -hmm. uh, when I was like five or something, playing video games on an an Atari to date myself quite a bit there. (laughs) And so I've always loved computers. And so incorporating it into law just made law more interesting for me. Right. Fair to say, kind of like me, probably, like even while you were practicing, when you started practicing law, whatever, you probably incorporated technology early on and learned a lot about how to make the practice of law better, even from your perspective, just by leveraging technology? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're turned on to technology, you look at the law and your mind immediately starts generating all of these different opportunities for making things easier. And so that's that's kind of what I've been focusing on ever since I started practicing. Cool. But then you've uh, you've gone out and you've become LawDroid or founded LawDroid, which is, a as we said, an AI company dedicated to helping lawyers automate their law practice. But that's a kind of nippy little soundbite, but what does your company actually do? What does what does LawDroid do for lawyers? So I, I like to call what we do uh, useful bots, useful automation for mm-hmm. lawyers. What we really do is we make their job easier. That's what we do. And I, as you know, come to it from being a lawyer, so I could really translate what lawyers can use help on into technology and then make their life easier. And during this time, you know, when things have to be done remotely, it really helps to rely on automation for that additional help. All right. And uh, by the way, we are playing a game during today's show, and you have just won one point by not saying these unprecedented times. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our crazy um, times. Yeah. But so, okay. So you help automate things. But let, let, let me ask you a question just then about, uh, I want to get more into that. Um, and I have a really more deep question regarding kind of that concept. But before we go there, I just wanted, since we since we did mention the COVID-19 epidemic and uh, this show is being recorded during that epidemic and what looks like we're going back to an up curve right now. But, you know, a lot of what people are talking about is that the, that the epidemic and the government's responses to the epidemic are changing many, many things about the business of law and how, we're, how law firms are, are doing business. I wanted to just kind of ask you, do you see most of the changes that are going like remote and teleconferencing, depositions, telehearings, and the ways we're dealing with our business clients, do you see most of these changes as responsive to this situation or is some of it or a lot of it an acceleration of trends that were already happening? I think it's acceleration of trends that that were already happening. And I think what we've essentially done is we've jumped forward. We've like skipped the record forward by about 10 years. Because most of most of the, the need for change is political and psychological. I mean, we already have the technology, and we've already had this technology for decades, you know, if we're being honest with each other mm-hmm. about it. And so it's really about people making that switch in their mind that this is acceptable, you know, that this is an okay way of doing business. And clearly that's been opened and unlocked. So I think that you know we've jumped ahead 10 years will this stuff stay intact afterwards i definitely think so but it's all for the better i think especially for lawyers although it feels uncomfortable right now with this amount of change in such a short amount of time i think that it's going to open doors to for people to do transactional work being able to practice from wherever they want to <laughs> why be yeah. tied down to one location and saving a lot of money too you're kind of in there in the thick of it in the technology and legal technology and how lawyers are using it. And I think I think it's fair to say that traditionally up until March of 2020, 
the general wisdom was that for the most part, lawyers lagged. They were late adopters of technology. Do you see any areas where lawyers are now actually pushing the envelope and actually causing innovations and new technologies because this 10-year jump has actually reached the forefront and the leading edge of technology? I wouldn't say that I've, I've seen that. I mean, what I have seen is that there's been greater adoption of existing technology. I think Richard Susskind makes a distinction between automating the problem and actually transforming the way you do business. And right. the second part, you know, the latter part about tr transformative technology or transformative innovation is where we need to go next. Because right now we're automating the traditional processes that we've already done, and that's good, but it's not better. Yeah, and I think that's the distinction there is, yeah, if you, if you just take the way you do business and automate it, that's certainly good and nice. But what you're talking about is actually saying, let's take this whole system apart. We're still going to drive towards the result, the output we, that, that the clients want needs to be the output that the clients want. But maybe there's a whole other way to get there, which brings me to, I think, a, a subject that you're interested in. So let me actually ask you about that. It seems uh, I, I read as part of uh, your background which was provided to you, to me by you, <laughs> but the ATJ Tech Fellow Program. And I, I imagine ATJ stands for Access to Justice. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So that's something that you're, so tell me first of all about your work with ATJ Tech Fellow and just talk to me a little bit about what Access to Justice means to you. Sure, sure. So I, I don't want to overstate my involvement. I'm an advisor yeah. to ATJ Tech Fellows and uh, Miguel Willis is the driving force behind behind that he is a force of nature and he <laughs> he is amazing in what he's accomplished with the fellows program so as an advisor i have in the past you know taught a course on automation for uh the fellows that he has right now i just was lucky enough to get selected as a mentor for uh one of the fellows so that's that's something i'm really excited to do but his whole program is to get these fellows to work with different legal aid organizations where they can, you know, walk the walk. They could really contribute to increasing access to justice. Yeah. And and I mean, so what I wanted, the thing that intrigued me just by the way you were mentioning um, before, the difference between automating a problem and actually transforming the approach to the problem. I wanted to kind of like, and then I saw this A2J thing. I wanted to just think with you, like do a little thought experiment. Automating things like the access to justice gap is huge, right? And automating things, and even the stuff you're doing with, with uh, you know, help bringing people to to help legal aid organizations. If all they do is automate, we're not going to really reduce that gap by a whole lot. What do you see, like in your work in technology, as key impediments to making legal services more accessible to people? What's really what's the real block? The real block is psychology. You know, the yeah. the, the real block is feeling that you could do it and that it's acceptable and okay. And like I said, with what's happened, I think that's really blown that open. So usually, you know, usually the barrier you have is, all right, to get people to accept this, you have to do educational marketing. That's probably one of the most expensive types of marketing and it's far removed from the sales cycle. And so it gets really, really expensive to get mm -hmm. people to adopt. But given this particular window that we have, that's become more acceptable. So I think I think that's really it. It's not so much about the technology or making it fancier. It's uh, more about getting buy-in from the community. And then is there some aspect of actually changing the way we do, instead of automating the way we do things, changing or in innovating the way we do things using technology to do them 
differently that that'll help to bring that gap closed a little bit better yeah i think an example that is not that sexy but it's a, a fairly good example of how do you do transformation mm -hmm. is um you know I, i've said before that there's three pillars to what lawyers do is as lawyers we prepare legal documents we provide legal advice and we provide court adv advocacy and the last one court advocacy when lawyers have thought about, oh, how am I going to be challenged by AI or a bot or automation, they would laugh about it and say, oh, yeah, when a robot could go into court and argue its case, you know, like Perry Mason, then then I have to worry about that. But the problem, and I guess the joke that's kind of on us, is that the way that's been accomplished is by transforming that whole way of approaching it right. in court advocacy to actually bypassing it with online dispute resolution. So with ODR, you don't have to go to court and argue in court and all that. You basically have a separate venue where you are directly dealing with the person that you're, you have a dispute with, and you could resolve it without even having to go to court. So it's kind of like a sneak attack surprise <laughs> there that yeah. lawyers aren't needed. That's, that's how disruption just tends to happen. Tom, we're going to take a moment here to hear from our sponsors, for whom we're extremely grateful. And uh, then when we come back, I want to sort of shift the conversation to how, because what we've been talking about so far is how this epidemic, how the COVID thing has been affecting the legal industry and the lawyers and how we do business. But I want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing about how consumers of our business, of, of legal services, are changing their expectations during this time. But first, we'll hear from our sponsors. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7-365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-827. 5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. Now more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things for your firm. Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high value cases you deserve. Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com. And we're back uh, with Tom Martin here on the Unbillable Hour. Tom is the CEO and founder of Law Droid Limited. And we've been talking about how the COVID epidemic and the response to it has been accelerating changes that were already underway in the legal industry and really has finally kind of cracked open the opportunity for disruptive change, for for innovative change, for I think Tom referred to it as transformative change. Um, and so I wanted to, after the break, we wanted to come in and talk about what you're seeing, Tom, as, let's shift the script a little bit, to how consumers of legal services are changing their expectations so that these transformations that we're doing in the legal industry actually speaks to where consumers are. What are you seeing there? What I'm seeing there is that consumers are coming much more in line with how they treat and what expectations they have of other businesses. Right. So like when a consumer deals with a regular business, they want their customer service to be immediate. They want to be able to jump on to the uh, website for the company and have a conversation, get their issues dealt with. For the most part, that's kind of lagged in terms of their expectations for lawyers. But I think now that's where we're going. 
they expect immediate communication, follow-up, responding in a very short amount of time, and providing a much higher level of service, I think, is where consumers are at. Yeah. So in other words, what I think I'm hearing you say is consumers have been evolving for a while. You know, They've come to expect that if they want a toner cartridge, I just did this today, so it's a front of mind, you know, I jump on toner world where wherever I bought mine um, and boom, you know, two days later, there's a toner cartridge in my office. Or if I want pizza, you know, I jump on Grubhub and 20 minutes later, there's a pizza in my office. And even like if I want my taxes done, you know, there's just so much that used to be go into someone's office endure a wait, deal with the professional service model, then meet with the esteemed professional, then get the work done and return to you in, you know, days or weeks of time and then, you know, pay a large bill. And law consumer expectations have been changing all around in other professions too, in medicine and others. And these needs have been changing. But now what is it about the current epidemic that's like made it just push over the barrier and come and and make lawyers respond to it. Is it the impossibility? Like you just aren't allowed to meet people in your office. So now we had to change. What is it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the mother of invention is necessity. And in this case, it's been impossible to meet with people directly. So you've seen pop up on lawyer websites, uh, you know, video consults, all different ways of reaching out to clients and clients reaching out to lawyers that doesn't require meeting in person. So it is that necessity Another part, though, I think is when you look at the ethics of lawyers providing competent service to their clients is that clients, their expectations of what lawyers can provide and for how much and how quickly has really increased. Mm -hmm. And so an analogy that I look at is pilots. And so when pilots are in the air, you know, they're not doing everything bespoke by hand flying the plane every second of the time that they have you in the air. They put autopilot on. And it's not them shirking their responsibility. In fact, autopilot is much more reliable for the length of the trip, and it allows them to focus on a lot of details that they as pilots can really contribute to that they wouldn't otherwise be able to because their attention would be focused entirely on just flying the plane minute to minute. Sure. So if you take that to lawyers, I think that's how lawyers can really learn and, and gain from from this automation. And that's certainly how clients have come to expect more from their lawyers. Because you're saying there's a large aspect of what goes on in a law firm and even in the interactions between the law firm and their clients that can be put on autopilot? Yeah. So to make it a little more concrete, when you have an AI tool that's available, let's say like Ross, okay? Right. And so you run, let's say a brief through it and it identifies different issues, shows you the latest research on it, you know, that's the kind of autopilot automation is where it makes you aware of the latest case law and and different analyses, negative or positive, along the lines of a newfangled, you know, Westlaw. But it does make you aware of these things so that if you weren't listening to that and you were just relying upon your experience, knowledge, and notes, you might be committing malpractice if you don't refer to their information. Sure. And like to kind of segue, this kind of giving me a really great segue. We were talking about how consumers, their expectations have changed. And now we're talking about a little bit of autopilot. But like one of the things that I see that's changed is that clients are able to interact with our law firms in a lot more ways than they used to be able to, right? They used to be able to either send us a letter or maybe call and leave a message. But now they can interact with us by directly by email or text. 
They can interact on our Facebook page, on our LinkedIn page, on our Google My Business uh, section, on reviews on Yelp and you know, hundred Avo and a hundred other places. When clients have these ways of interacting with us, and like you said, we can't pay attention to all the details. How can automation help? How what is autopilot in that circumstance? So I think autopilot from like a communications standpoint is that you want to have a single inbox for all those different channels of communication. You don't want to have your attention split between all of the different channels. Yeah, checking a hundred places, right? Right. You know, so you want to bring that together. There are different tools out there to bring it together. One other method of communication that we actually employ for our clients is having a, a chat bot so that you could communicate that way with your client. But I think trying to keep it organized is probably the biggest challenge for lawyers right now. Now, is that is a chat bot? Because I'm a little bit confused by this. A chat bot something like does it get on your iMessage or is it on a chat box on your website? Like, what what are you talking about when we talk about a chat bot? So a chatbot is a conversational interface where you could put it on your website. You could actually have it connected to your Facebook company account. Mm-hmm. You could have it on various channels. So that's one of the upsides of using that type of technology. You could have it connected to WhatsApp, you know, different ways that you would communicate with your clients. It all filters into one inbox and you can automate the messaging that you send back and forth with your clients. And you could also automate some basic responses like for frequently asked questions so if if you're getting bombarded with a lot of the same questions like are you open during covid (laughs) you know you could build in an auto response to that that'll provide them with the information they need quickly and what if it's not an faq like how does a how does a bot handle a one-off question yeah so the way we do that is if there's something that doesn't fit within the box of keyword recognition or natural language processing recognition of a particular faq then we do an ad hoc capture of that message. We email it to the lawyer. We also can integrate with not only sending it by email, but by text, uh, integrating it to Slack or Clio as a CRM, you know, like various different ways of communicating it to the lawyer. Excellent. And and does the consumer know they're dealing with a bot? Like how does that, what's the, what's the customer experience like? Yeah. So everything that we've done from the very beginning, and we, we launched about four years ago with LawDroid, it's always been transparent about the fact that you're interacting with a bot. I think it's important to be transparent, but also to set expectations that you're not getting some kind of human level interaction with a bot. It's also the law, by the way, in California that you, <laughs> you, you now need to, I think a year ago, disclose that it's a bot. Okay, but like, do you find that consumers are still happier to get some information from the bot and have that immediate interaction rather than know that a lawyer will respond later? Definitely. In fact, there's not only my word, but data to support that. There was a survey done of consumers as to whether or not they would prefer to get information from a bot. And immediacy was rated at, I think, 69% of consumers wanting the immediacy of a response and not really caring how they got it, but that they got it. Very cool. And I guess that makes sense, right? Because let's face it, we're decades now into the internet, right? Well, that's what we do. We, we look for information on the internet and the internet, uh, you know, whether it be WebMD or Google or Yelp or whatever. But we And then it we know that it's not a human behind there sending us back, you know, the, the best Greek restaurant in town. You know, we know that that's an algorithm and it's an automation. So I guess that, that fits with, with expectation and that, that immediacy is filling a gap, I guess, that law firms weren't 
providing before, um, but now now can through this chatbot technology. I, I know we we didn't talk about this ahead of time, so this might be putting you on the spot. But let me just ask it anyway. How does that chatbot technology and thinking about that automated response fit into smart speakers? Are smart speakers going to become a part of this kind of ecosystem of instant responses? Yes, and they already have. You know, one product that we have is called Lodroid Voice, and it allows you to interact with a voice assistant that could schedule appointments for you. It could build time for you, take notes. It could You could dictate to it. So yeah, all of this is coming together. Smart speakers are just yet another channel for chatbots to be able to communicate with people. And I like to call it intelligent automation rather than chatbots or AI, because that's really what it's about is automating things in an intelligent way to make it more useful and practical to help you. IA instead of AI. I love it. We are talking with Tom Martin. Um, he is the CEO and founder of LawDroid Limited. Um, and we've been talking about automation and transformation of law firms, bringing technology to bear in like this accelerated way during the transformative time that is this COVID-19 epidemic. Uh, we're going to take a moment to hear from our sponsors one more time. And then Tom, when we come back, I want to shift gears one more time and talk about, first of all, I want to ask you just a little bit about the American Legal Technology Awards. And then like, I want to kind of finish this up by talking about, because you mentioned Richard Susskind earlier, this buzz that AI is coming for lawyers' jobs, their businesses, and their livelihoods. And I want to get your perspective on that. But first, we'll get a perspective on our sponsors' businesses, because they help us do this show. A word from them. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Sign up is free, and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code UNBILLABLE to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. And we're back with Tom Martin with LawDroid Limited. And uh, we've been talking about automation, transformation of uh, the legal business, the law firm business, by technology and artificial intelligence, or as Tom just coined, and I love it, innovative automation. That's what you said, right? Intelligent automation. Intelligent automation. IA instead of AI. I love it. So what I wanted to, before I jump into my big question, um, I did want to just touch base on these American Legal Technology Awards. You, uh, I think the you, you've just founded this or co-founded this. Tell, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, thank you for asking. So the American Legal Technology Awards in its first year, uh, founded by myself, Patrick Pallas, and Kat Moon, you know, its its purpose really is to hold up examples of not only new technology, but creative innovation to help others and uh, make a difference in the world. Super. When, uh, when is there is there like a red carpet show? Do I get to buy the latest and greatest in evening gowns to go to it? How do, uh, what's, uh, what's it going to be? You know, I, I wish, and perhaps next year that was the original plan is to have a nice party, uh, you yeah. know, cause there's so many legal tech conferences. So we thought that having a, having a party would be a, a nice departure, but this year, alas, it's going to be online. We're looking forward to that. The, the actual awards are going to be distributed in early to mid September. Okay. Cool. So I got to save my little black dress until uh, 2021? <laughs> yep. All right. We'll do. We'll put it back on the hangers. And uh, how does, like, just as a last thing before before I let that go, how does, if someone thinks that they should get this award, how do they self-nominate or ask someone else to nominate them um, to be a part of this uh, process and the awards that might be given out? Yeah, definitely. So go to AmericanLegalTechnology.com 
and it is open for nominations and self-nominations for lawyers, law firms, law departments. Of course, you got legal tech companies and uh, individuals in there. But anyone that you think is deserving, please nominate them. We look forward to getting your nominations and considering them. Great. And that's AmericanLegalTechnology.com? Yep. Awesome. All right. So let me get to the big question. You stepped into it. You mentioned Susskind. Um, I just saw uh, Jack Newton's um, conversation with uh, Susskind and Susskind's son. Daniel. Daniel, thank you, on some of these topics. But, you know, there's, there, there is and has been ever since he wrote the, I think, three books ago, The End of Lawyers, there's been this buzz that artificial intelligence, that AI is coming sooner or later. And you even made the joke, like, as soon as they can argue, like Perry Mason, you know, that the short-sightedness of, of it all, that, like, when they come, when AI comes for our jobs, it's not going to come for the way we do them. It's going to solve the problems better. But uh, they're coming for lawyers, jobs, businesses, and livelihoods. Like, what's your perspective on that? Is AI the end of lawyers or is it a huge opportunity? What, what do you see? AI is not the end of lawyers. I think I match Richard Susskind in, in saying that, which, by the way, huge fan of him. I actually got to meet him in person at oh, the, Brit- the British Legal Technology Forum a couple of years ago. But it's it's not the end of lawyers. Like, you know, the analogy that I used before about airline pilots and autopilot, it's something that adds value to the pilot's job. For doctors now, you have AI that's able to complement doctors in terms of like searching through x-rays and finding whether or not there's any cancerous tumors. And doing a better job of it, right? Yeah. So this is not to discount the doctors and say, okay, thank you for your service. You're out of here. <laughs> it's actually to improve the service, the level of service they could provide, make it the most cutting edge, the best for, let's keep in mind who this is for. In their case, it's for the patient. In our case, it's for the client. It's to provide the best service for them, you know, and, and as a byproduct, it makes their life easier. You know, doctors don't have to stay up as long combing through every single x-ray or they can, you know, have this additional help from from AI. It's it's the same thing for lawyers. Yeah, and I mean, I just I don't want to beat the uh, analogy to death, but like I actually am a pilot, and I've got some interest in in, in aviation history. But like you, you talk about that, what's coming to my mind is that you know, 40, 50 years ago, more like fifty years ago, but forty or fifty years ago, most airplanes that flew any distance at all required three pilots on board. And for some longer distances, even more, they needed a pilot, a co-pilot, and an engineer to run all the systems. Like you would think, oh, you know, automation and stuff, that autopilot, you know, most airplanes now only require two pilots. So half the pilots supposedly weren't required anymore, one-third of them, sorry, one-third of the pilots weren't required anymore. And was that the end of pilots? Hell no, because what that did, it was it made flying less expensive. It made flying more accessible to more people. And Mm -hmm. we're right now in a pilot shortage, not a pilot glut even be, like before covid right now i don't know but like before covid we we're in a pilot shortage like if we make access to justice if we make justice more accessible to more people lawyers may be doing a lot less of the drudge work that you were just talking about that can be automated but they get to do the lawyer stuff and there'll be more of a demand for them is that, i mean is that part of how you see it definitely I, I see the same trend throughout all different industries uh you look at banking you know atms were not the death of tellers yeah it 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 grows the pie it grows the pie is what it does, just like you pointed out. And we know that there's this complete disconnect in the legal industry in terms of services being able to be provided affordably to most people. And so that's an untapped need. 
And the more that we make and grow the pie by making law accessible, the greater the business opportunity is for everyone involved. And I think that lawyers, you know, the future is that there might be a legal engineer and, and what they're involved in is designing different logic trees and ways of providing services that we don't currently have as a main source or main uh, profession for lawyers. Great. All right. My last question, put on your future goggles. You said that, that what you see mostly here is an acceleration of trends that were already in place. So now take us to 2025, supposing you know that the, that COVID didn't eliminate <laughs> humans and the, you know, we're all back to some new normal. What does the business of law look like five years from now from, from what you're seeing in trends? Well, funny that 2025 sounds like so far in the future, but it's only five years from now. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't see that it's going to be that different. We've actually, like I said, leaped ahead about 10 years just from having this uh, necessity that mm -hmm. has caused uh, this leap forward in, in the usage of technology. I think what I see is there's there's going to be a lot of unification across these different technologies that we're starting to use now. You know, so like where you might have machine learning in one box, you might have classical AI, which is like logic trees and things like that in, in a different box. And you have different tools, CRMs that lawyers have been using. I think coming up with some kind of intelligent way to access all of these different tools within one platform, I think that platformization of legal technology is going to be the future. And it's going to make things a lot easier for lawyers. They won't have to have as many silos for their information. Yeah. But that's what I see. I think that's a huge call. So let's uh, look for that to happen. I think that will make lawyers' jobs easier and serve the purpose of uh, really bringing justice, bringing the access to legal services to more people. All right. We've, we've covered a lot in a short amount of time, Tom. Once our listeners' heads stop spinning, um, what's a good way if they want to learn more about some of the stuff you've said or, or call you uh, out to uh, put some money where your mouth is on this call on platformization, which I'm on your end of this bet, so I'll take their bets too because I think you're right. Where can they reach you? How can people reach out to you if they want to learn more about you or about LawDroid or about the Technology Awards? Where can they reach you? Well, thanks, Chris. I think the best way for them to reach out to me, and by the way, if they have any questions or any interest in bringing intelligent automation to their law firm, they could reach me at tom at lawdroid.com. That's my direct email. Or they could just, you know, check out lawdroid.com, which is the website. My Twitter account's real simple, at lawdroid. And I'd love to answer any questions they have, give them some information about intelligent automation and how it can help them. Well, fantastic. Thank you, Tom. And that unfortunately wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour. Thank you all for listening. Our guest today, one more time, has been Tom Martin. He's the CEO and founder of Lawdroid Limited. My name, of course, is Christopher Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. We'll speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.
Learn by Doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.